Welcome back to another episode of Beautiful Adaptive Warrior. I'm your host, Angie Huser. It's time once again to unleash the warrior within you. Are you ready? All right, I'm so excited. Today, joining us on the podcast is Brandy West and David Banks from the Limb Center. Hi, guys. Hey. hey. Welcome. Thank you. We are doing well, doing really well. Hey, I just wanted to uh, have you jump right in. We don't want to waste any time. We want to get to know who you guys are and, and why I would have you on our podcast. So why don't you start by just telling us a little bit about yourselves and the Limb Center? Um, my name is Randy West. Um, I'm a certified uh, prosthetist. I have been in the business for 23 years, and I've got four children, married, got started in the business, didn't know what I wanted to do in life, was in college for eight years, and, and I had a good friend of mine, he was a physical therapist that said, hey, Randy, you need to look at prosthetics and orthotics, and I was like, what is that? You know, I kind of okay. kind of knew sort of what it was, but he says artificial limb embrace. And he says, you know, you're great working with your hands and people and you're always helping people. And I, I just thought of you. We had a lecture that um, I learned a lot about and I thought, Randy, you'd be good at this. And so I was like, that's kind of weird, you know. So long story short, I did some volunteer work with um, a great guy here in town. Immediately, I knew this is kind of what I wanted to do. So I went to school in Minnesota for two years and came out back to Arizona, started learning prosthetics. And, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a business that, you know, you, you think that you go to school, you get out, Hey, I'm going to start making, you know, prosthetics and braces and, but it's not quite that easy. You know, it's a, uh, definitely a mentorship business. Um, and it takes time to learn the business, meaning patient care, and it's more than just fitting a prosthesis or a, a brace. It's more about the uh, patient, I guess, if you will, on, and they don't teach you this in school, is the psychology portion <laughs> of it. You know, when somebody's lost a, a, a body part, a, a residual, you know, they have a residual limb now, and, and it um, can be a bit difficult. And so they don't really prepare you. I think they try in school, but, you know, that was the, that was, that's, that's hard, you know. But over time and with compassion, that's kind of the reward, I think, of the business is being able to uh, when somebody's lost hope in their life and they feel they don't know anything about losing a limb and you can kind of bend down and help them and give them hope to where they say, hey, I can I can get through this. I'm going to be okay." But being that conduit to help them is important. And then fitting the prosthesis is also important. You know, there's a lot that goes into it. There's a lot of facets, correct. And so, um, but yeah, I've been doing it for, you know, quite some time now. And uh, every day is a learning day, I should say. Every day is a learning day in this business. Of course. How about you, David? Yeah. Tell us a little bit about you. Yeah, so our stories kind of intertwine. I'm an amputee. My name is David Banks. I'm, I'm an amputee of 20 three years going on this year. I am a husband and father of three boys. 
So Randy and I met, uh, well, I lost my leg and it's a real long story. I'll just kind of break it down because my story could be a whole other show probably, Angie. <laughs> right, but, and uh, we probably have touched on that. <laughs> yeah, but Cliff Notes, I was in Rocky Point, Mexico uh, when I was 21 or 22 years old. Um, down there on spring break, I was riding a quad. I had a, a quad accident, rolled the quad, lost my leg, got air vac out of Rocky Point, ended up being air vac into Good Sam Hospital, spent three weeks there fighting for my life and my limb, went through 12 surgeries, seven blood transfusions, many debridements with the ultimate decision to amputate about three weeks later. And, and that's kind of how our stories connect because Randy was working at Hanging Prosthetics at the time. And, and I actually was a patient of that company and Randy was my practitioner. So that's how we met. Got me back on my feet, got me walking. He was one of the first practitioners that I worked with that, that really uh, I was able to connect with. And, and um, he was real compassionate and just made the process easy. You know, you know he listened to me and listen to my fears and, and, and the problems I was having and, and just made it um, a better experience, made a tough experience, a better experience. Through all that, I really transitioned really well. I was able to get back on my feet, back to work. And, and I just did really well. Randy saw that. So for many years, he would use me as an advocate for his patients in the hospitals. So for many years, I worked as a patient advocate. He'd call me up and say, hey man, I got a guy or gal that lost their limb. Um, so I'd go to the hospital, meet with them. I just fell in love with that, that, um, hope giver job. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because I was able to plant that seed right in the beginning yeah. of a patient's life as an amputee in those first few hours. Cause <clears throat> I usually go in either the day of amputation or the day after. So it was real early on. It was important to them to see that. So I did that for a long time, uh, for about probably, I don't know, eight to 10 years or so, yeah. just kind of off and on. Um, and then Randy was transitioning to start the limb center, him and Dave Sharma, who's, who's uh, another partner, another partner here in the company. They approached me and said, Hey, Banks, I don't even want to do this for a long time. It's something you always thought about. Um, so I ended up continuing my education and now I'm a certified prosthetist assistant with the limb center. Excellent. Yeah. Well, that's good. And, you know, and I, I want to go into a little bit of a more personal detail here on how we all met. Um, because yeah. obviously my situation is different. Whereas you weren't called into my hospital room, David, I, um, last week interviewed Dr. Cummings and he was the surgeon who did my amputation. And the moment that I heard your name was in my first conversation with him that I was thinking amputation was the right route now for me. And he, I told him, I was totally impressed by this. Like he got on the phone. He goes, hold on. I got to call someone. And I was, at first I was like, you know, <laughs> are we in a meeting right now? And he goes, no, 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 just wait. You got, he's like, yo, David, I got someone here. You have to talk to her. She's on the list, you know, like right on the line of, of doing this. And, and I, I just want to reach out and it was kind of neat. And, and then actually I was impressed by that. I know Dr. Cummings is like, well, that's not really why I did that. He goes, sometimes yeah. it's better when the patient's there to have that flow going, but right yeah. there, I want listeners to understand that again, that is another aspect of you're in a good relationship when they're pulling for you and they're thinking already outside the box while you're with them and they make that connection because that connection kind of saved me later on because I did contact you. It was very weird. As I've told people going into a prosthetics office for the first time, 
and yeah. seeing, and now it's second nature, right? But going in and seeing the different prosthetics laying right. on your windowsill there and everything, and you just kind of, it can't be That's my weird. life. Yeah. Yeah. It is a very, yeah. very, it's very surreal to me. Um, mm -hmm. and, and it's actually one of those moments where, and you guys weren't the first person I saw before um, he and I talked, I went and saw uh, one of my older PTs that I had when I first had my accident, knew um, a veteran who went to another company and he said, go there, go do a peer to peer. So I met them, met a peer there, another amputee. I was so scared at that office when I walked in and I'm looking around and there were amputees waiting. And I just remember the fear in my heart. And I just, the, the secretary was busy and I just was like, you know, I think I'm just going to walk out. And as I went to turn to leave, I'm like, this is not my life. This is not me. She goes, Oh, are you Angie? Are you here to, and I'm like, Oh yes. <laughs> but it was, it was a good oh. thing because the amputee I, amputee I met was a go-getter army girl, like kicking butt. And, and that's exactly what I needed to see. I walked out feeling better. And then, and then I went and saw Dr. Cummings and he said, yeah, I've got someone I want you to meet. I'm like, good. Cause I believe that the more people you meet in this world, the better you can make judgments on what's good and what's Absolutely. bad. So Randy, I didn't get to meet you for a little while, but I did come into the office yep. and had a talk with you, which I was probably the only non-amputee that walked in to have an appointment with you because <laughs> I was thinking that route. And, and I think my husband was with, he wanted to meet you guys. I remember that. Yes. And, um, and we even brought the kids in so the kids could meet David, see another amputee because no one in my family had been around any. Uh, and my big I, story, huh? What did you I say? My that you did. Yeah, that was my first experience with that too. And I was kind of looking at them like, how you doing? How you doing? <laughs> you know, they don't even bother looking at me when mine's off. I mean, they just, you know, I don't know if it's just because it's commonplace now, but you know, right. at that time, we we're all kind of like, hey, this is, this is a big pill to swallow. But the, the one story that I relayed with Dr. Cummings was the first time I really needed you, David, was after mm -hmm. having a second opinion on this. And if you recall, I had I gone to one doctor and held my stuff together in that office when he told me I could never, I would never walk again if I went that route. Right there, mm -hmm. I was appalled. And I know myself better than that. Yeah. But it, it doesn't matter. That little seed of doubt is very frightening when you're deciding on an elective surgery. I walked yeah. out of the that appointment, cried in my car, freaked out, called Dr. Cummings' office, got an appointment, and then called you. And mm -hmm. I'm like, David, this guy told me I'll never walk again. And you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> oh, what a shame. Yeah. yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Because you've met me, right? You know, and, and you're like, and you're an above knee, just so people know he's an above knee as well. Above knee yeah. and below knee are a different beast. Losing two joints is a little bit more um, challenging more involved in it that you've got to understand and how much limb is left depends on how much success you're going to have with walking, just walking. And so David is an above knee. And, and so I knew he was, I'd be in the same boat as him. And he's just like, you know, I play basketball. I do this. I hike, I run. And, and I was like, okay. <laughs> Yeah, that, that was, that was, my, was tough. that was tough. Yeah. And so when you say you go in and you see people in the midst of it, they've maybe woken up from an accident and they're either an amputee or they've just had the surgery. I was one of those that I don't know how many of you guys deal with, but I know Dr. Cummings says he may get three or four elected ones a year. 
Yeah. So I'm one of those that's different. Like I had to have my mental game strong for those months. And that's really when you guys came into play because gave me your cell numbers. Let me know that if I ever had a fear or a worry or a concern or a question just to call and, and you never failed to return the calls or, or answer when I called and kind of talked me off ledges at times. Cause the mental game was hard for about four months. It was, You're that was a muscle I was building for yeah. sure. You yeah. know, and so that that's an, an impressive relationship. And and I wouldn't even call you guys my prosthetist anymore as much as my friends and, and being able Absolutely. to come in and talk to you guys. Randy, question for you. Getting yes. into the Limb Center. What were your, you said you started with one company and you mm-hmm. moved into creating the Limb Center is your baby. Yes. Tell us a little bit about why you chose to do your own company, what your dreams, your goals, what were your aspirations with having your own company? The reason why I started the Limb Center or David and Dave Sharma started the Limb Center was we, uh, we wanted an individualized approach to the patient. And, and I give thanks to my past place, I guess, because I feel like I wouldn't be here without that place. But it made me realize what was really important, and that was the time with the patient, the ability to make my own decisions with the patient, be able to build that bond with that patient. Um, and it, it, it's super important with this business because this isn't about getting fit with a brace and we'll see you later, take care. This is a lifelong relationship with the patient and the person and that's like you said, you know, we're, you know, I'm, you're not just a patient, you know, we're friends, we're family and that takes time, but that's what I wanted to do when we started the limb center is relationship. It's the relationship business. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what makes you come to work. David, what do you think about that? Like how, how do you fit into that and what yeah. aspects do you pull into that? I mean, obviously it's very valuable, Randy, right. To have an amputee with you, working with you, Absolutely. because there yeah. are those moments of people coming in shell-shocked or just struggling with certain things that maybe only someone that's actually walked in those shoes metaphorically and literally. Um, yeah, 100%. What, yes. what do you, what do you take away with that, uh, with being at the Limb Center, David? Yeah. So building on what Randy said, you, you, you know, his passions for wanting to start the company. I mean, being an amputee, I saw both sides, you know, I was on the other side at other companies. And even though he was my practitioner at the time, you know, his hands are still tied. You know what I mean? He can only do so many, so much. He only had so much freedom and ability to, you know, to um, um, provide certain things. So it was the experience. It was just a very different experience. Um, And, you know, it was the corporate level and, and the, the disconnect. It felt like a huge disconnect, almost like I was a number, not really a, a patient. Our dream always was to create something that we could come into and, and make our patients feel like, you know, you know we're, we're family, which is why it's about the, we give our patients our cell phone numbers, because it's important to get a hold of us and not have to call an answering service or call and speak to somebody and say, okay, you know what, we can get you in in a week or we can get you in in two weeks or something like that and not be able to explain your, your situation. And, and as an amputee, I know how extremely important that is to really connect that. We would meet, you know, cause I was always back to work, um, you know, like probably within six months after getting my prosthesis, I was back to work and, and, 
and, um, you know, just hustling. And there were times I couldn't get in during the day. And I call Randy and say, Hey man, is there any way I'm getting off at five? Is there any way you can, you can see me? And he ended up giving me a cell phone number. So we had that relationship. Um, so I was able to bypass the, you know, the call center and and all that kind of stuff, the front desk. And then we'd meet at five o'clock or five 30 or six o'clock or meet on the way home or something like that. And, And I was always able to get and, and especially on like a Friday afternoon, if you have an issue and it's a Friday and you're going into the weekend or going on vacation or something like that, I remember that happened a ton of times where it's yeah. like, hey, man, I just like yeah. the weekend's here. And, and he's like, don't worry, man, let's meet up. So we, we figured it out. That. We, we figured it out. And that is, and that's what we bring here um, with our patients. It's important to do that. And it just really makes a difference, you know? I, yeah, I mean, I have no other experience, but I'll tell you what, I wouldn't want any other experience. Um, yeah. Just the receptive, you. you know, for anybody listening, if you aren't an amputee, you can have something change within the day and all of a sudden have a massive sore or a bruising that's happening that came out of the blue because right now in AZ, the heat's cranking. I noticed I'm changing. I know, Randy, you said yesterday, and yes, I was there yesterday, that you're yeah. now starting to get the calls. It's the heat calls. Oh. Everything's changing in people's calls. bodies. Yeah. And, and yeah. yeah, patients are coming back in for getting some padding and some tweaking on their, their sockets. And it does, yeah. it happens, you know, you can't plan this out. You can't go, oh yeah, can I see you next Wednesday? Like, no. you know, you're like, I only call you when I'm in dire. I'm like, uh, what do you have like soon? <laughs> like if you we'll have two today, out. I'll yeah. be there, <laughs> you know? And so that's really important. And I agree, I mean, David, you saw it early on with him. He had that compassion, that connection with wanting to build relationships. So it almost seems natural that you'd want to create your own place, be your own boss, so you can run it the way you want to run it and bypass the bureaucracy of corporate. And, you know, the, the other thing that I noticed while I was there is, you know, I was at one particular facility mm-hmm. in Phoenix for say you know, and, and I, I was there probably five, six years. And then one day you say, okay, I'm coming to work and Hey, Randy, we're going to move you yep. to another facility. And after I've already built up my relationships yeah. with, it is a relationship business. It's again, it's not, Hey, I'll take that size large, take care. Bye. No, it's yeah. you. I know a lot about, we know a lot about each other. I know a lot about the patient's residual limb, their habits, their, their, their life. And so when they want to move you to another location, then you got that patient has to start all over or they're going to have to drive all the way across town to, to, to see me again. So, which I did, which David did. And you will, you'll, it's like, it's like a good hairdresser. (laughs) You'll follow them if you have to, but you don't want to. Right. That's what I was going to say, you you know, the relationship, you know, because we always say that, that, you know, your surgeons and your doctors, you might not have to see them again after right. the surgery, yeah. you know, or after you're healed, but us, like, you know, your practitioner, it is a lifelong relationship. And, and it's kind of like that barber hairstylist relationship. You know, we you learn about each other, you share stories, yep. you get you really get to know, and, and we're kind of like a counselor too, almost, yeah, you right. know, we're yeah. hearing the sure. lives and, and it's just a, yeah. it's a very different experience and you have to have someone that, that, um, you know, that Isn't, really fits with, you know, yeah. that, and that's why, and that's kind of why I guess that was one of the other things that I wanted to mention that um, some of the bigger companies, you, they move you around a little bit, you know, so consistency may not be the thing that, you know, you're going to get there. Yeah. So that's kind of why I wanted to start my own 
company to where you see patient A, you're going to, as long as, you know, you guys mend and mold together and grow together and they're fitting, you know, obviously the, the, the prosthesis has to function and fit properly. Yeah. They're lifetime patients and friends and family to you. Yeah. Well, and unfortunately there is another aspect of this that I do want to touch on and see your opinions and your thoughts on this is, you know, I told you I had gone to another uh, office before knowing you guys, before really talking to Dr. Cummings um, mm-hmm. based on somebody else's choice to tell me, try this. Cause I didn't know, I knew that there were bigger companies out there, but I was worried about that revolving door just cause I, I just common sense would tell me that if it's corporate and there's plenty of them around the area, then there's a possibility that people change locations, but the insurance side of it, some people aren't so lucky with their insurance or lack of insurance to be able to come to a place that actually is better suited for them. And they take what the hospital I've heard some people that don't even know where they're going, but they, they're not happy with where they're at. I mean, if you can't remember where you're actually going, that, that says you're so underwhelmed (laughs) that you don't even remember the location. Um, But if a hospital sends you to a certain location because of your insurance, some people are stuck. How does insurance play into becoming an amputee and um, how do you guys handle it? Great question. You know, that's one thing that, you know, we've been in business for eight years. We've got 98% of the, the contracts and that does happen, especially with the new business. They don't just Hey, Blue Cross, I want to be a part of your network. No, that doesn't, it, it takes time to apply and, and get these contracts. But, you know, as, as I think it's important for a new amputee to look into their coverages of their, you know, and, and look at the, the uh, broad range of facilities and companies that they can go to. Right. Very important. As Very. your case, remember, you know, we already knew what you're going to do. You're an active person. We want the best that we can get you before you even got the amputation. If you remember, mm-hmm. Hey, this is the knee that you want to get prosthetic knee that we need. You got to get, make sure they cover this. Yeah. <laughs> and because yeah. some instances don't cover certain items, you know, yeah. they deem it as, um, yeah. um, you know, it's, it's not a necessity, you know, it's right. experimental. It's a want. It's a want. Yeah. Not right. a need. And so I think, yeah, I mean, so the patients really need to, a new person needs to really um, call and see w- what providers are available for that particular um, insurance that they have. I mean, that's super important. Um, you know, and there's certain insurances that are pretty specific to a one company. And then within that one company, you know, typically if it's a corporate company, there's several facilities throughout their area you know, go interview a couple different places. It, you know, convenience isn't always the best. If you got to drive instead of an office that's two miles down from your house, you might have to go to the 12 mile office because of the relationship that I just explained earlier. Right. Very true. What do you tell someone? Do you suggest that people go if they can? I mean, I'm thinking in my situation, I was able to prep, like, right. I had several months to go and shop but that's not the case for probably 90 some percent of the amputation population. They're, they're not elective or they're not planned out where they have those times. But would you suggest seeing more than one office, getting a feel of one more than one location? I, I would say yes. You know, and we've, we've actually done that with patients. Sorry to cut you off, no, David. No, no, no. Um, but we've done that. And, you know, sometimes 
we give them the option. Um, but a lot of times patients are like, you know what, I'm going to, I feel comfortable here with you guys. Uh, I'll give you guys a shot. And, uh, you know, we, education is the key for a new amputee. Um, we try to, you know, you don't want to put false expectations to a patient, a new patient, but yet you don't want to hold them back. Like the doctor, you said that you don't even have a chance of walking. And so, but you know, you want to give the patients the option. There are other companies. We're not the only one. And if, if you're, if you're feeling a little uneasy, please, please go, go interview, you know, some other locations and companies. David, as an amputee, what would you tell people to be looking for when they're going out and looking for some, some place to help them? Because people need to understand that as I was told going into this, this could be like a 30 or 40 year relationship. Right. So yeah. you need to make sure you are doing what you need to do. And the due diligence is what I talked about last week to make sure you're in the right spot. So what should an amputee be looking for in a place that works for them? Yeah. And it's hard to tell, especially like an experienced amputee, you know, we have experience and we know what to expect, you know, like you, for example, you've had this experience of going anywhere else. You'll know right away. Like, you know, so but new amputees, you really don't know what you, you don't know. know yeah. Right? And I think so, that's why some of them go to the wrong place because they just think like, and, and this is why we talk about one, advocating. One, one. Don't go into them thinking they're the professional. They know you better. You know you better. Right. So they have to be able to know this. I would love to be able to give someone a nugget of information who doesn't know any better. It's a, you know, it's, it's this is prosthetics. Is that, so like if you go in and you have a bad experience at the beginning or, or, or just non-responsive or whatever, a lot of times you just think, oh, I guess this is what it is. You know, almost like going in certain doctor's offices. Cause a lot of times the doctor's offices aren't the, you know, they're, it, you know, it's a different experience, a different environment from this because we are very hands-on and it's, and it's a lifelong relationship. So it's gotta be different. So you have to look for different things when you're looking for a practitioner than you are a doctor. I would say for new amputees, it's all about relationships is like number one, going into it. That's why it's important to interview because you might just have someone that just, you know, you might not gel with, you might not get a good feeling about that person, you know, follow your gut to your gut. will tell you a lot if you listen and you just say, but but um, I mean, that's why it's important to go to more than one place. That way you get that feel, you get that experience, you see how it is when you walk in, you see how the place feels, what the energy's like, contacting and making an appointment. How hard was it to get a hold of somebody? If I called and left a message, did they call back within 24 hours? Was it, you know what I mean? So all those things. So because, I mean, again, for new amputees, it's very hard to gauge that. So it's important to just, um, you know, just take your time, interview as much as possible. I would say plug into amputee support group system as well, because a lot of it is word of mouth, kind of a business as well, because, you know, that's our best advertising is other patients that have come and we've seen them here and they've, you know, referred other just by word of mouth, you know, and so by talking to other amputees or amputee coalition of America is an important one, they can give you a list. Um, you know, uh, certified facilities that they're, that's important. Credentialing is important. Make sure that um, the practitioners have the proper uh, credentials. I think this business is a, the longer you've been in it, doesn't mean you're going to be the best guy in the world, but it does mean that you've seen um, a lot of amputees and it does matter. You know, um, early on in this business, I thought I saw a lot of amputees until I went to my last employer. That was the busiest prosthetic office in the country. And that was a 
wide opening for me. I was like, oh my gosh, you know, anyway. And you had the experience. And a lot of experience. And you saw the craziest oh. things and craziest right. situations, which yes. gave you the knowledge and experience yes. you have today. So, yes. yeah, it was so what about that person? What do you tell that person that's listening that says, I know that this is not a good fit, not, not the socket, but the, the relationship. And I'm struggling. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. I don't know how to change. How does someone get out of that relationship and find something better? They're worried about offending them. They're worried that they, they aren't allowed. I've heard some people tell me, how do you change? Because I don't think I'm allowed to. Uh, that is, a, that is, we hear that too. Do I need yeah. to like, we'll have somebody call us that's going somewhere. Do I need to let them know? Like, am yeah. I, um, do I need to call my insurance or, and yeah. no, really that's don't. a misnomer. Yeah, so what are they, you... what can they do? How can they be empowered here? Well, they need to, to reach out in their community to see what, what else is available, yeah. you know? So plug into resources, amputee coalition, yeah. peer mentor groups, uh, they still need to find insurance that'll cover. I mean, the insurance will cover it. So they've got to connect with insurance, but, but they are not tied. It's not like a contract. You're not, no. you know, it's like getting a second opinion with a doctor. Yeah. yeah. Right. But the main thing, just call these companies and just find out if, if they're in network with your insurance company, you, you don't really have to call the insurance, you know, but you just have to find out if that company. So when you're calling, just make sure that they are in network with your insurance and make sure you provide them the information and, and that's the first step there. But, but yeah, my advice is if it doesn't feel right and, and if you're not happy, get up and get out and search for options. Make the calls, find your resources. And because it does make a difference. If you have someone that, that you're just not connecting with or- Fitting process. Or they don't have the experience or you, or, you, know, you don't feel like they, they have the empathy or they're, or, or they're spending enough time with you, it could impact your entire life. I mean, this yeah. is your leg we're talking about or your arm or whatever. This is a limb that's being replaced. So it's, it's, it's very important. I mean, this isn't a joke. So it's important to find someone that's going to give you the best care. Yeah. Right. So, so they don't, they, that person that's trying to, to change, they don't owe that process to anything. They don't, everything is, once it's there, it's theirs, it's on. I think some people had brought up the fact that um, what about like warranties on stuff? Is that tied to the company or is it only tied to their limb anywhere they go? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Yeah. Part of that is true. You know, after, you know, say you get fit with the prosthesis in January and, you know, a year later, you're just not, you're just not digging this, you know, obviously you can't take that prosthesis back. Um, but what you can do is you can still seek out another prosthetist, another company and take a look at what you got. And there are other options. You can still get a new socket, sometimes componentry. If, if it was the wrong componentry, you can still get a new prescription with the referring physician and sometimes get a new prosthesis because the first one may not have been the right one for you, you know? Yeah. So there are some, some options there and we've done that. We've <laughs> seen people that have come in and they just don't know what they don't know. You know, we try to educate as much as we can and give them another option and we've had to switch gears and, and, and it's not easy, but you, it can be done. And, you know, this is kind of a little bit on, on the topic, but kind of one more little quick question, because I'm curious about this as well. And I've heard people talk about this is what would you say is the average time go from casting to getting your socket? What, what is considered a good amount of time? Because I have heard people say they've been waiting three months or whatever. And I'm like, oh my gosh, three months from 
like wow. from the casting to getting their socket. Oh, mm. I mean, I think you guys do really fast turnaround. You know, if you got the prescription, you got a referral from the physician and all your paperwork, that's kind of, that takes the longest in our book is pre-authorizations and whatnot. But once everything's authorized and we have the green light to go <laughs> week, week and a half, two weeks, two I mean, weeks it's at the, at the most, uh, sometimes you're waiting on componentry, you know, yeah. but as far as the um, fitting process, it's, it, I mean, it's fairly quick. It doesn't take months. Yeah. Now that's the other co- good question because, you know, sometimes there's different, everybody's got a different residual limb and some aren't, you know, some are a little harder to fit than others. And so, so I think sometimes practitioners, it's a little more difficult. So they have to do multiple check sockets and multiple casts because we're just trying, man, this is really, really hard. And, and, and it can take some time, but a, but a straightforward, you know, below the knee amputee or an above the knee amputee, it, it shouldn't take that long. But if it went a few weeks, that would be okay, especially in a harder situation, but it shouldn't be months between casting to fitting. No, typically no. Even in a big company that pushes through a lot of people, right? That's the thing. If it's a if it's a large company, I think that's where maybe some of the delays would come in. If if you know they just have so many patients overworked and you know and understaffed, maybe that's where they're experiencing some of that. Maybe, but it, but it still shouldn't. Three months, I don't know. Yeah, you know, usually a month at the. Yeah, at the that was a red work. flag for me when I saw that. I was like. That, that probably isn't very good if you're waiting. I couldn't wait that long. I'm so impatient, but I couldn't wait that long. Uh, you know, I'd have been like, Randy, where are you? Randy, where are you? Randy, where are you? Let's go, let's go. <laughs> you remember the famous phrase? Remember the famous phrase? My famous phrase? We'll figure yeah. that out. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. Oh, yeah. That, yeah, that is. Yeah, we'll figure it out. I'm like, okay. You know, you and you know, I trusted you. We figure it out. Yeah. We figure it out. At first it was blind trust, but now I believe it. You always seem to figure it out. And I have been a puzzle at times. So, all right. So this is going to be a tough one. And then, and, and we can see if we can try to condense it, but let's take someone who is on, on the verge of going through an amputation or they're okay. just starting that journey. How would you tell them what, what should they be expecting to happen once they leave the hospital? What's going on? Cause I know in the hospital, yeah. David, you brought in a, a shrinker wrap for me to help with swelling. Yep. And then what, take it from there. What, where do you guys come in? When do you start coming in and, and what's your process once you start meeting your patient? Yeah. So usually, you know, you're in the hospital, you have surgery. That's when you meet us. Typically the surgeon will, will, will call a prosthetist to come in and do a shrinker or a protector for the patient. And that's usually when we kind of step back and now we're waiting for the patient to heal. So now it's a process usually of anywhere from four to six weeks, maybe eight weeks of healing time. And, and again, that all depends. I mean, four to six weeks is a very healthy person. If you have underlying conditions or diabetes, anything like that, it could be longer because healing times are longer, but it's usually six to eight weeks is a good window. So we kind of step back and wait until that process is healed. And the doctor then calls us back and says, okay, the patient is now healed. And now we can start working on the prosthesis. Going back to the patient though, once they leave the hospital after that, because usually, again, if everything's okay, everything's fine and they heal well after surgery, they'll be in the hospital for two to three days maybe. And then they'll go to a, a rehab facility to get occupational therapy and physical therapy for usually a week to two weeks. And then from there, they'll go home. And then again, it's the waiting game until, until the doctor can take out the sutures. And that's usually two appointments or so. They'll do a 
an appointment two, three weeks after surgery, check the incision area, make sure things are good. And they'll do another follow-up appointment. Typically under good circumstances, that follow-up, that second appointment is usually in that six to eight week mark. And that's when they'll take out all the final um, sutures if they weren't taken out already. And that's when you go to prosthetics. Um, okay. And then from there, it's the, it's the insurance game. It's, it's us um, having you in the office, doing our initial evaluation, explaining all your options to you, right. what's available, the different systems. Um, and, then, and then from there, we do the code selection. We basically select what we're gonna order for you, put together a prescription, and we get that to your physician to sign. Um, and that gives us the green light to now submit to insurance. So, we, and, and, and that's, the, that's what takes the longest period is the whole process of us getting information from the doctor, wait, getting it back, then being able to get it into insurance. And now it's on the insurance side to wait and then um, to do all their things and then get it back to us and say, okay, it's approved. And depending on the insurance, that could take seven days. That could take two weeks. That could take three weeks. It just really depends. And I'll add something to that. Yeah. Um, and that's why it's super important on if you got new patients listening or it is make sure that the facility or company that you go to does a full extensive evaluation because oh, yeah. what, what we want to try to do is we want to paint a, a, a picture of a day in the life of the patient of what you used to do, what your goals are, what you're capable of doing, and you don't want to sell yourself short, you know? I'll tell you right now with this day and age, it's super easy. And this is another kind of another topic. It's super easy to fit somebody with a prosthesis. That's a lower level amputee activity level amputee than to fit them with a little higher level, a little more of a technological uh, componentry, but it's might even be better for that patient. So what you don't want to do is do a shortcut and say, yeah, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and go with this lower level prosthesis because uh, insurance is going to more apt to approve that. What you really want to do is really explore the patient's um, lifestyle, their family, everything, their living conditions, yep. their, their goals, their past things they what were they doing did before. Um, yeah. And then, and then present that day in the life of a patient to that insurance to get them what they really need. Right. We see this all the time. A patient will come in, meet them. They've got a prosthesis already. And we're like, wow, you're doing, wow, you're doing well. Yeah. And you look at the componentry and it's a lower level, lower activity level componentry for that particular patient, which they could have benefited if maybe I, nothing, I don't know how they did their evaluation, but they could have benefited from the better technology and better componentry if the evaluation and time was done properly early on. Right, right. And, it, and a lot of times it just takes a lot more work. It's a lot of work to go through that. Um, sometimes you have to send a patient to a physical therapist for a K-level test, a functional level test. And, and again, that could delay it by another two weeks, three weeks, but it's worth it because if we can have that documentation that you are this higher functional level, then we can justify certain components. Like your case, Angie. Yeah. You've got a microprocessor knee. Yep. There's other knees. They're not all microprocessors. But can you imagine walking on your running knee, for example, that's a non microprocessor knee yeah. and how yeah. that would affect lifestyle. Yeah. So to get those, it takes a little bit of work on our end 
to justify why do you really need that microprocessor need? But that could be a life life changer. That could be a mental life changer. Oh, yeah. And it's a mental game. It really is. Oh, yeah. I mean, yes, everybody sees the physical aspect, but it really isn't mostly, I would say, mental. We've seen this 90%. Yeah, we've seen, we've seen this. Yeah. We've seen this so much so that we've had patients come in, not wearing a prosthesis above knee in a wheelchair and says, yeah, it just didn't work for me. Yeah. Oh. And the reason being is yeah. they were fit with the wrong components. Well, yeah. how long have you been in the chair? I don't know, about two, three years. Oh, wow. Because they got fit with the wrong componentry. Yeah, we have we have and, too many of those. And they're on anti-anxiety medication. They're on different mental medications that they're they're in the chair. They're they're it's a they gave it's a up. domino domino effect. They gave up. Yeah, they gave up. I mean, to hear yeah. somebody say, to hear a twenty-something year old person say, prosthetics is not for me. It didn't work. Yeah, your 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 limb is just not. Uh, you don't have a great limb for. You're probably not a candidate for a prosthesis. I might have to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was, anyway. Yeah, it's real tough to hear that, but but you know you see it. But fortunately, that you know um, these situations that we're talking about, they came here and Randy and I worked with them, and and now they're back. You know, yeah. back on their feet and they're shot. They're like, I had no idea. I did not. I I literally thought I was going to be in a wheelchair for the rest of my life. So, but and, and that uh, folks is why it's important to pick someone that is willing to listen and create a relationship and understand you understand goals, dreams, where you've been, where you want to go. I mean, all those things should come up in your meeting with a prosthetist. I really believe that. One thing, Angie, to add, just before <laughs> I forget is when a patient comes in from another company or usually the first thing they say is, uh, like you ask them, well, what brings you here? And, and you get to breaking stuff down. And the biggest thing that you just said is I just felt like they weren't listening to me. Mm-hmm. I was telling them this, this, and this, and they, it just seemed like they weren't listening to my concerns and my needs. And, and I just, things weren't working out for me. Mm-hmm. So listening is the key. Just, it really is. And that's what builds the relationship. And then you understand, because even though you're just fitting something on someone's leg or arm or whatever doesn't mean you don't need to know how that's going to be used throughout a day-to-day living and so they they you need to know that about them i think i think you're right i think that it's mostly relational if you if you can't get a grip on your patient i don't know how you could possibly fit them correctly so randy take me through now let's say we got through all the insurance stuff (laughs) <laughs> got through the insurance stuff. Everything's a go. Your patient comes in. How do we go from, I've had my surgery. I'm healed. Insurance has given us the green light. Where, what happens what, when someone comes in? I, and I made a, a kind of a video. It wasn't a full complete video from beginning to end, but I did right. a, a roundabout video of you and what you did for me um, not right. too long ago. But what is it that you do? Because you're the one that creates the sockets, correct? Yeah. So we, we've, at this point, we've come to an agreement and a, and a decision on the uh, type of prosthesis that we think that we feel is going to be best for the patient. And we're on agreement to that. Say, Hey, this is the direction we're going to go. So the first thing we're going to do is we're going to take measurements and a casting an impression of the patient's residual limb. And that's usually, it can be done many, many, there's so many different ways. There's scanning, there's plaster, there's fiberglass, there's a lot of different techniques on how to take an impression of a patient's residual limb. So that will, that will happen. 
Once that impression is taken, then the next step is what's called a, a diagnostic or a check socket fitting. Okay, and that's a clear plastic, uh, thermoplastic socket that is just a prototype basically. And, and, and it's great because usually you'll have the prosthetic foot or the componentry, the knee and the foot. And that's when the patient will get their first chance of, of standing and putting weight through their residual limb. Um, and it's kind of a test for both of us. It's um, like I said, a prototype, just so we can see how we can make this, this socket fit better. Once that socket is fit, um, then at that point, we take that check socket and we send that to uh, the fabrication piece to where they transfer that and actually fabricate it and they get rid of that plastic. And it usually it's a, it's a, um, a laminate material, carbon fiber material and a thermoplastic. There's some flexible inners and things like that. Yep, inter different interfaces. And then that's when that gets finished. Um, and then they'll come back and we do the definitive or the, the final fit and delivery at that point. Um, now I will back up and say that we try not to go to that point, that final stage until that diagnostic check socket is fit and nice, comfy, alignment is, is perfect because you can have the best foot, the best knee, but if the socket is not fitting properly, it's just going to sit in the corner or you're going to get blisters. It's just not going to make for an enjoyable experience. Mm -hmm. And especially on a new amputee, your residual limb is going to change quite quickly in the first year and a half. Yeah. It's a journey. That first year, I would say year to two years is a journey. It is a, because even you, you know, ah, I think I'm done shrinking. No, it's still a journey. And that's where it, it's the test of time with your practitioner because they're like, Hey, Ed, man, I'm hitting this. It's uh, whew, man. I don't know. You got to come in. We got to make some adjustments and really follow you down. And that's where it's important too, to set the expectation with the patient early on about that first year, yeah. year and a half, because you could get real discouraged yes. real fast. If that's not explained up front, that, that, that first year, you know, that first socket might not last three months, if that, you know, maybe yeah, three months. So we want you to know that up front, expect that, call us if there's any issues and there's things we can do to tighten up the socket, adjust the fit, really going over stock ply management, which is the most crucial piece of this in the first year. So, I mean, I mean, it's, yeah. it's crucial the entire life of an amputee because the body fluctuates, but that first, you know, the early stages, it just comes into play. So setting that um, expectation early on is really, really important. Well, and I yes. think that they, people need to know that it's okay. I, I think those that have no idea aren't around people that can support them and give them the feedback they need, or if that is not happening at their office, that there's times where you'll have months where there, you might be going in every week or every other week just to get things tweaked. And sometimes I was in your office twice in a week because okay. I take, I take what we thought we had fixed and I'd give it a go. I'd go hiking or walking or whatever. And I'd be like, oh no, I'm really rubbing here. And you're like, all right, come in. And it might be a quick tweak. You just have to melt the plastic a little, bend it a little, shave it a little, whatever, or add some padding. And then I'm on my way. So they need to understand that that's normal. Yeah. You know, you're not, it's not like one and done. It's not like the amputation. Uh -huh. Once the surgeon's taking the leg, there's nothing else he can do with you guys. Yeah. It is okay. I'm. It's okay to call. It should be um, asked of you to call when things aren't right. And if they're not receptive to that, then, then that should also be a red flag on where you're yes. going. 
If they're yes. saying, oh no, you know what? You need to give it at least a few more weeks yeah. on this. If you're really to the point where you can't even put it on anymore, then you need to see them, Yeah. right? We, no. We've heard the comment, oh, you're gonna, you'll get used to that. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And there well, are times, I will say, David, <laughs> If you guys remember, this is okay. So this is my first week, right? I remember coming in. You know, you're really excited after all that work and all that time and all that waiting, and your prosthetist tells you it's ready for pickup. It's like Christmas morning. Yeah. You're so excited. You have all these dreams and aspirations of what's going to be new, a new life. And I remember getting mine on a Friday, and coming in and. You know, of course I was bummed. I couldn't just walk out with it. I had a cane, which I was, that was good. That was impressive, but it was scary because I thought I was going to stumble and fall. I couldn't get it to move. And I was going to follow up with physical therapy to learn my leg and how to walk and build strength. But we were heading out the next day to California for a week long trip. Oh, I remember that. And I just remember David, so you, you speak to the right person when you say, sometimes you just got to suck it up buttercup. I mean, and that, and I took that full on in California, you know, when you wake up in the morning in a hotel and your, your leg is sore because you're bruised up from the day before, cause you don't know what you're doing with it. And it, it, it is a technique. And then you're getting in a car to go to Catalina Island for the whole day. You're sitting there going, okay, prosthetic or no. Well, if I don't wear it, then I'm copping out. But if I don't wear it, do wear it, then I, 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 I'm going to struggle. I'm not going to carry crutches too, in case I have to take it off. And it was literally one of those days where I remember being afraid to sit because when I sat and gave my leg a break, the bruising would take over and then I would have to get up and it would be so sore. And I had to push through And that week I pushed through, but I'll tell you what, there was some serious bruising. And so there are, sometimes it's good and it's a mental game for yourself. And sometimes you have to know when it's wrong. And I think, I think that comes down to your gut. Like you need to know when it's not a good thing. Yeah. And you're doing more damage than good. Right. And you're a go-getter Angie. And, and, um, (laughs) to say sometimes you don't have that governor, but that's okay. (laughs) That would be my stubborn side, which I talked about last week with Dr. Cummings that my poor husband has to deal with on a daily basis. Especially when I say, when you fit the new prosthesis, you want to wean into wearing it. Don't, yeah, don't go got, Walk yeah. in the mall, yeah. and, and then she calls in and goes, "I did a five K yesterday." Like, <laughs> brand new. What? Okay. <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. Okay, going through all this, and we've talked about how to find the right prosthetist, right place to be, what you're looking for, uh, what a day to day is. I mean, there's a thousand other things that we could talk about. I know there's a million questions people will have, and I do want to have you guys back on for absolutely, yeah future episodes we even talked about a a uh, repeat um guest time because then people can ask questions and we can get down to nitty-gritty because there's this is like oh, there's yeah, there's so wow. much to this scratching the it, surface right we're just yeah just scraping the surface but um i do want to thank you guys for for entertaining me and i know you're busy and it's the middle of the day and everything but i i appreciate that i do like to wrap up if there's nothing else you want to add on to this right now, I do want to wrap up with a little uh, speed round of this or that. It kind of gives oh. us a little glimpse of, of you personally that has nothing to do with what we're doing here. Ooh. All right, you ready to play? So we both answer at the same time? Yeah, or- yeah you can. Yeah, you're just going to have to we'll figure it out. People have right. gotten to know your voices now, hopefully. Gotcha. All right. 
So let's try this first one. Milk chocolate or dark chocolate? Milk chocolate. Milk chocolate. That was way too much time for a speed round, Randy. Just so you well, know. Well, I like them both. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Okay. Soda or pop? Oh. Pop. Pop. That was a slogan. Okay. That was. And that's like a Midwest thing or a, a Western thing, I think. We get made fun sorry. of for how we always say it. Okay. Spicy or mild? Spicy. Ooh. RV or tent? RV. Wow. You guys are like twins. Mountains or ocean? Ocean. <laughs> well, if you guys keep this up, we won't have to worry about it. Movies or TV shows? Movies. Movies. Motorcycles or bicycles? Motorcycles. Motorcycles. Even though they're dangerous. I know. I, I was going to say, you know, a lot of those people you have pictures up in your office, there are motorcycle accidents. Yeah. Right. yeah. Okay. Basketball or football? Basketball. football. Oh, Randy said football. All right. And I knew David, you would do basketball because David actually yeah, plays basketball. I knew, I knew he was going to do that, that too. Yeah. Introvert or extrovert? Extrovert. extrovert. Lazy weekend or weekend warrior? Weekend, weekend warrior. I knew it. I knew it. Pepperoni <laughs> or sausage? sausage? Pepperoni. Oh, Randy Pepperoni, David Sausage. All right, guys. Thanks for playing. <laughs> I thought it would be a little fun that people get to know you because I, like you said, it's a relationship game, right? And, and yes. uh, you know, I'm hoping that if you listeners, if you are in our area and you're in the Phoenix area to go take a look at the Limb Center uh, Instagram account, uh, you can look up David Banks or Randy West on Instagram, Facebook. And um, actually, you guys, are you considered Arcadia? Yeah. Yeah, but I think it's still Phoenix. Yeah, though, right? Dark, it's yeah. Phoenix. It's okay. still Phoenix. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, like, and that that's a nice long drive for me, but totally worth it. Yeah. I get yeah. my Starbucks and I'm good. Yeah. There you go. Doors off. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Gentlemen, thank you so much for your time. You. It has been a pleasure. Been Thanks, fun. Thank You're you. awesome. Appreciate you. Take All care. All right. Well, there you have it. David Banks and Randy West from the Limb Center here in Phoenix, Arizona. A couple of amazing prosthetists, but also great people, great hearts, and a attention to detail that rivals no other. If you get a chance to look them up, like I said, on the Limb Center Instagram or David Banks or Randy West on Instagram or Facebook, take a look. I know that they would be more than happy to answer questions if you had any. Now for our call to action. This week, you can probably guess what my call to action would be. This goes out to those of you that are either becoming amputees or are amputees. And I want you to do an assessment of where you're at right now with your prosthetist. Or if you don't have one, it is time for you to start to do some research and your due diligence on finding the best fit for you. Just like a doctor, if they didn't have the bedside manners you'd want, you would take your business elsewhere. This goes the same for you and where you're at for your prosthetist because it is a relationship and it does last for years and years and years. And you need someone responsive 
like instantly responsive to your needs because walking every day or using your hands every day, you can't get away from not using them. And so if there's a fitting problem or you're struggling with something, they should be able to be there for you. Yes, it's a lot of work, but that is the job that they signed up for and they owe that to you. But more than anything, you owe it to yourself to advocate for your own well-being. And I say this every time. This show is all about trying to empower you and show you that you can advocate for yourself in the medical world and just in life general so that you can live the best, healthiest, and happiest life that you deserve. So please do some research. Talk to Amputee Coalition. They are an amazing group. Reach out to amputee groups on uh, social media, but be careful. You'll see a lot of people on there that are showing worst case scenarios and talking about worst case scenarios. You need to know when to kind of pull out of those situations because you don't need to freak yourself out, but also just do some research, uh, even talking to some physical therapists or veteran affair places. Um, they deal with amputees a lot and they probably have some prosthetists that they use. Get out there and get real with your research and finding the right person for you. Remember, it is going to be more than one or two trips. It is going to be years of appointments and you deserve the very best. So until next time, be healthy, be happy, be you.